My message today is entitled, Keeping His Focus. There are so many things today pulling our focus this way and that way. It's like we live in a world of constant, dramatic headlines. From sports to politics. From wars to the economy. From extreme weather to extreme insanity. That's the world we live in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And depending on what grabs and holds your focus, that is what fo- that's what holds your mood. That's what determines your emotions and your motivation. Of course, media sources are aware of this power to influence and manipulate and control. So the battle of sensationalism from one side to the next courses through the veins of everyday life, trying to win your allegiance each putting a different slant or a different bias on the issue. This has led some people to avoid the headlines altogether, keeping their head down and their eyes and ears closed. As much as I don't like the news, I have to stay attuned to it to know what's going on, to know where I'm needed, to know where help is needed, to know where Jesus needs to be inserted. Is that what this world has come to? Either over-engagement or a complete withdrawal and disengagement. Well, there's another choice, another focal point to keep our attention. And if you're brave enough to keep this focus, regardless of the threat or the temptation around you, it has the power to put your entire life in balance helping you to overcome every challenge that crosses your path. It won't erase every challenge, but I think all of us would love it to have a little bit more balance in our life. We can find this perspective by examining the focus that Jesus kept while He was walking this earth. Let's take a little look. In the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus began His earthly ministry, He went into a synagogue and read a passage from the prophet Isaiah. He stood up and he read this from Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Jesus read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And as soon as Jesus read from this passage, He said to all those who are listening, Today this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, declaring Himself publicly to be the Messiah whom the prophets spoke about. And while this was great news for those who were waiting on God, not everyone saw Jesus' arrival as welcoming. Many of the rulers and the teachers of the law didn't want some common man, some son of a carpenter, to come steal their thunder, to take away their influence among the people, and to draw crowds away from them. Luke 4, 28 and 29. So all those in the synagogue who heard him say these things, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath 
and rose up and thrust Jesus out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. If this were a movie, this is where the music would build, where the suspense would be nail-biting. So much animosity coming against Jesus. How would He handle it? How would He escape this threat? The answer is quite anticlimactic when you see what Jesus did next. Luke 4, verse 30. Then, passing through the midst of them, He went His way. Now, if you were a writer of a Hollywood movie, you wouldn't have too many jobs if you wrote movies like this. (laughs) But for Jesus, that was it. He just passed through the midst of them and He just went His way. The music stops. The tension dissipates. The fear is gone and Jesus continues on His way. How is that possible? Let me ask you, is that how you handle it when animosity and judgment and anger and criticism and fear surround you? Of course not. More often than not, we feel that we have to fight back with our words and fight back with our emotions. Or even if we say nothing, we put our heads down and we bowl through it, we bowl right through it with anger in our hearts but not Jesus. He kept His focus. He didn't let their words or their threats or their thoughts or their feelings or their behaviors affect Him in any way. He didn't even run around them or try to avoid them. He passed directly through the middle of them and went on His way. Do you understand how powerful that action was? He didn't give anything to the enemy to work with. We were talking about this morning in our Bible study downstairs and saying, there's time in an argument when you can have all the facts and all the truth and all the stuff on your side, and in the argument, while you're presenting it, you say it the wrong way. Or you use a little bit extra emotion. And so even though you should have won the argument... After you're done, you feel bad about how you handled it. And in doing so, you give the enemy something to work on in you. But not only did Jesus handle it perfectly, but He didn't respond. He didn't give the enemy anything to work on when He passed through. He didn't cuss them out on His way through, either out loud or in His mind. He didn't judge them in His heart. He didn't allow them to steal His peace. He simply kept His focus on His mission to spread the good news and He went on His way. It was not another thought to Him. Of course, He talked about how He's able to do this. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 30, when He's speaking to His disciples about how He's going to have to go away, He said this, he said, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. 
Here Jesus talks about Satan, who the Bible says he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy the works of God. It's not just people that he destroys. He destroys our peace. He steals our peace because we let him. Satan comes to inflict damage through fear and ignorance and shame and confusion. But Jesus resolutely declares that Satan has nothing in him. That he has no hook in him to pull him one way or the other. In fact, I want you to see how this this verse is written in the Amplified Version of the Bible. John 14.30, Amplified says, Satan has no power over me, nor anything that he can use against me. The reason why Jesus can keep his focus on God's will is because he has no guilt hanging over his head. He has no fear keeping him bogged down. He doesn't entertain the thought of what if. He has no doubt of God's direction. He has no unforgiveness in his heart. These are all hooks that the devil has into each one of us at various times. These are the things that give the enemy power over us to prevent us from staying focused on God's will. Yet if we take a lesson from Jesus, imagine the situations that we would have authority over. If we took care of our sins immediately, because we all sin, we all mess up, and we can choose to wallow in the guilt and shame ourselves and make excuses, or we can take care of them immediately. Because if we did that and we repented immediately, we asked God for forgiveness on a regular basis, the devil would have no hook in us. We're all going to fall. We're all going to mess up. But it's not the sin so much. It's the guilt and the shame and the denial that keeps us from coming back to God. And so the devil has a hook in us. If we read the Word and we knew the Word and stood on the Word every time, then the devil would have no power over us. And we would be able to continue on our way. If we made it a priority in prayer, not just to ask God to heal our situations, but to seek His direction each and every day, we'd have no doubts taking up rent space in our minds. The devil would have nothing in us. If we diligently sought to forgive others and to forgive ourselves, the enemy would have no power over us and would have nothing that he could use against us. Will we still have trials? Absolutely. But we still have challenges? You betcha. But the enemy wouldn't have any power. We could be in the middle of threats just like Jesus was and we could walk right through it and go on to our next calling where God has called us to be. If we freely apply the blood of Jesus to cover our sins and to strengthen us each day, then we too could just continue on our way, keeping God's focus for our lives. But this was not just a one-time moment with Jesus. He kept his focus no matter what came against him. As soon as he left the cliff's edge, we pick up the story in the next city. Luke 4, 31. Then Jesus went down to Capernaum 
a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. You see, when the devil has nothing in you, you walk in the authority of Christ. Maybe you've heard this said before, but much of the prayers that we offer to God are promises that God has already given us in his word. We just don't believe it. And we don't walk in it. Why? Because the devil has hooks in us of shame, of guilt, of doubt, of fear. But without those hooks, with, 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 with nothing that he can be used against us, we all will walk in the authority of Christ, the way he's commanded us to walk. You speak on the authority of his word, not out of arrogance, but out of truth and of power. It's not how well you say it, it's just what you say. The word has power. That is how the disciples of Jesus are called to walk. We are the disciples of Jesus if we claim to follow him. Keeping our focus on him and not on the threats that come against us. Luke 4, 33. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. I don't think there is any clean demons, but uh, let's just make, sh- make sure that you know. It's, uh, it was an unclean spirit. And the, this demon through, that possessed this man cried out in a loud voice. Before we go any further, I want to point your attention to the threat here. It's not just someone who is sick, someone who is in pain or with a debilitating condition. It's a man with an unclean spirit that has taken over his body and his actions. Why is this important? It's because Jesus began this day by quoting a passage that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to do the works of God. It takes the Spirit of the Lord, the only clean spirit, to drive out the unclean spirits. You cannot do it in your own efforts, no matter how good you think you are. You cannot do it in your own logic, your own influences. It takes the Spirit of God to drive out the darkness in this world. It takes the Spirit of God and the life of a believer that helps us to forgive those who have offended or wounded us. Has anyone like me had someone in your life, and I've had many, who offended you and wounded you, was unfair, it was hard, and God said, I want you to forgive him. And I said, God, no, I just want to be angry. Because that's, that's my flesh speaking, right? So I forgive him and I get hurt again. God, you don't understand. Yes, I do. God has forgiven us and we failed again and again and again. How many know it takes the Spirit of God in you to be able to, be able to forgive people in your lives? It takes the Spirit of God to enable you to stand in faith when doubt and fear and confusion surround you on all sides. You don't just wake up one day and become super Christian and have super faith. Because as soon as you do it, God puts you in a trial where you really have to stand on your faith. But you can't do it on your own. You can't will yourself to have enough faith. It takes the Spirit of God to give you the faith to believe for the impossible. It takes the Spirit of God to come against any threat of the enemy and keep your focus on Him instead of the issues and still respond in grace and love and peace. 
Only the Spirit of God can drive out an unclean spirit. You see, many times, even as Christians, we pray and we stand in faith against incredible attacks. But we often lose our peace in the process. It's not uncommon to get emotionally charged up by coming against threats to us and to others. But we often confuse boldness and truth with anger and revenge. We must always remember that it is not our ramped up emotion that allows us to walk in God's authority, but rather His Spirit when we are submitted to Him. It's not on my verses behind me, but there's a scripture in Zechariah that says it's not by might or by power, but by my Spirit. It's not about how strong you can make your argument or how proudly you can stand. It's submitting to the Spirit of God because the battle is His. He just wants us to be obedient to Him in any situation and to keep our focus. To not let the enemy steal our peace. Do you remember when Jesus was traveling with His disciples on His way to Jerusalem? And they passed through the village of a bunch of Samaritans. And the Samaritans did not receive Jesus. you got to remember they're going from town to town and there's Crowds coming up and following him and wanting to do anything. And now they go through this village on the way to Jerusalem and he wasn't received like the disciples thought he should have been received. Then James and John, aptly named the sons of thunder, responded with emotion like we often do when we are hurt or when we are offended or when we face injustice. We use emotion just like they did. Luke 9:54 Lord do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them You see it's one thing to walk in boldness but it's a whole other thing to respond with emotion and step outside of God's will to come against any challenge that comes your way Don't for one minute think that every challenge in your life is something from the enemy there are a lot of times that God ordains the trials in your life because He wants to teach you something. Or He wants to use you in that situation. Or just because He's asked you to be obedient and to follow Him. This is why Jesus quickly intervened. Verse 55. Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Now this was not an isolated incident. For Christians do this all the time. They play with fire, coming against the enemy, not knowing the manner of the spirit in which we walk. You handle a situation, believe in your stand on the Word, but using all your emotion and all your anger, you just gave the enemy a hook in you that he can manipulate you with you later. It's not enough to rebuke the enemy and come against any threat or challenge trying to stop it and shut it down immediately. There are times when the challenges are in our trials, like I said, in our lives, God has allowed us to be there. God has actually ordained that trial in our lives to help us to grow in faith, to learn how to respond with grace. And if you mess up, 
and you respond the wrong way, do you know what God does? He gives you another opportunity to do that. Isn't he nice? And this time it's more offensive and more unjust. And if you mess up again, he gives you another opportunity. Why? Because his goal is to make us become more like him. He doesn't just say, okay, you failed that. Let's move on to the next lesson. He gives you that same lesson again and again. He says, I, he says, I need you to rest on my spirit. You can't do this on your own. But if you submit to the spirit, then you will be able to walk through the midst of them. And it will not touch you. He helps us to extend forgiveness instead of judgment. We must know the manner of the Spirit in which we walk. Otherwise, we will lead with emotion. We will seek to destroy others instead of seeking to save them. Aren't you glad that God didn't handle you that way? When you messed up and you messed up again and you kept messing up, God didn't call down fire to consume you. He sent Jesus to love you. This is the Spirit of the Lord that is upon Jesus. And this is the Spirit of the Lord that is supposed to be upon those who follow Him. Consider this. If the Spirit upon Jesus was to destroy every sinner, where would you be? If you only had so many chances and you burned through all those chances, where would you be? There would be no forgiveness for any of us. There would be no grace, no second chances, no heaven, no eternity with Jesus. When we don't realize what manner of spirit we are of, we react out of emotions when we're hurt or offended. We react out of anger or revenge when we are wronged. We call others' names in our words or even in our hearts when we do things, when they do things that we disagree with. And when we respond this way, we don't know what manner of spirit we are of. Yes, we're going to have differences with the world. Look around you. The world is not following Jesus. Yes, we're not going to like it. Yes, it goes against our truth. It doesn't mean we change who we are, but we need to make sure we're not fighting a battle with emotion that can only be fought by the Spirit of God. Jesus tells us that the Spirit of the Lord is upon Him to preach the Gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind. Of course they're blind. Of course they can't see the truth because they don't have Jesus but they're not going to be open to Jesus by us condemning them and using emotion and speaking ill of them. We need to speak the truth with grace and continue on our way. Jesus call is called to set at liberty all those who are oppressed. That is the will of the Spirit of the Lord. That is what has worked through Jesus, anointing Him to fulfill the work of the Lord. And the secret is, that this spirit that's upon Jesus does not only come upon Jesus. This authority, this power, this love, and this anointing is for us as well. You see, when you are dead to sin, when you've confessed your sins to God, 
When you've repented and you've turned to Him, not because you think Jesus is a better way, but because you realize He is the only way. And there's a worn out path because you go back and forth to Jesus so much that you know when you mess up, you go to Him immediately. That means you're dead to sin. That sin no longer has power over you. It does not mean you're not going to mess up again. It's just that when you do, you go to God because you want to restore that relationship. When you turn to Him for your healing and your direction, then this same Spirit lives in you. Romans 8.11 But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Think about that for a minute. The Spirit that brought Christ out of the grave when He is dead and alive dwells in you. And it's available to you if you realize that. What could that Spirit do in a situation that you're facing right now? That difficult co-worker. That neighbor that gets on your nerves. That family member that, that family member that always seems to push your buttons. Or maybe you're, you are your own worst enemy. But if you realize that spirit that raised a dead man to life lives in you, how much more power could you walk in? And forgiveness and grace. That's why we take it so seriously to deal with sin. We must talk about sin. We must deal with it. We must not make excuses. We must not run around it, but rather deal with it head on. And the way we deal with sin directly is by admitting it. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned. Every one of us. And we all fall short of the glory of God. When When we admit that we are sinners, all we are doing is coming into agreement with God. When we deny that we are sinners, we put ourselves in bondage. And then the devil has another hook in us. He has power over us. He has something he can use against us. You want to break that hook? Then come come to God. God, I messed up. I'm sorry. I blew it. I yelled at my friend. I yelled at my kids. I blew it. I lost my temper. I had a wrong motivation. I, I was upset because I didn't get noticed for what I did. It doesn't matter. God already knows. So how you take those hooks out is you give your honesty to God. The way to break that power, to break the shame, to demolish the guilt and the condemnation is to admit our sins and ask Jesus to freely forgive us and then reveal Himself to us and restore us to Himself. And upon doing this, asking Jesus to come live inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And then we have access to the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the Spirit of forgiveness. There is no unforgivable person when you operate in the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Spirit of perfect love. There is no one who is unlovable when you have the Spirit of the Lord coursing through your veins. The Spirit of truth and the anointing in which we are called to walk. Galatians 5.16 I say then, walk in the Spirit, 
and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our job is not to be perfect. Our job is to walk in the Spirit. To be open to the promptings when we have messed up to go to Him. Not to hem and haw, not to make excuses, but to go to God. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we will never make mistakes. It does not mean that we will never hurt or offend others. But what it does mean is that when we submit ourselves to God, then He can correct us when we've gone off course. When we've spoken things we shouldn't have. When we've reacted out of emotion instead of love. And when we respond to this conviction and work through forgiveness, we will see the enemy has nothing in us. And no matter what comes against us or what surrounds us, by the Spirit of God, we will continue walking through the midst of any challenge that comes against us. And we will go on His way, keeping His focus. By the Spirit of God, Jesus led the way in how to handle every situation that came His way. After this unclean spirit and this man in the synagogue, after he cried out in a loud voice, notice how Jesus responded immediately. He didn't talk about it and say, I can't believe you said that. How, did, how dare you disrupt the sanctity of this church or synagogue? He directly handled it. Luke 4.35, Jesus rebuked him, the spirit, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and it did not hurt him. Verse 36, Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is. They didn't say what power or what uh, display happened. What a word, because there's power in the word. For with authority and power, He commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Guess what? You have access to that same Word. You have access to that same Spirit that lives in you. You have access to that same authority as long as the enemy has no hooks in you. It doesn't take your works or your efforts to defeat the attacks of the enemy. It takes your obedience to the Lord, knowing that the authority and the power of the Word is all you need. Whatever you're facing right now, refuse to let the enemy steal your peace. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Walk in the Spirit and let Christ live through you. Whatever part of this message spoke to you, God's calling you right now as our team's going to share a song in a moment. He's calling you to come to Him right now in your own way. It takes more than you just hearing an anointed message. It takes more than you just agreeing with the teaching of the words I've shared. It takes you personally reaching out to God on your own. Letting Him know that you need Him. It takes your willingness to see Jesus face to face. Lord God, we thank You that You are approachable, that You are accessible. Lord God, You already know what bogs us down. You ask us just to give it up to You, to lay it at the cross. So Lord God, the condemnation, the shame, the guilt, the questions, the confusion that we are carrying right now, we let it go. 
We shake it off of us. God, it's our desire that the enemy has no hook in us. We know we're not going to be perfect, and we know we're going to mess up, but when we come to you and confess to you, your word says that you are faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for that cleansing time in your presence. We help us to be even more discerning of your voice when you speak to us throughout the day and throughout the week. Let us not walk in fear or doubt or shame. Let us seek to come to you, to meet you face to face. Even as you've ministered to each one of us right now, give each of us that vibrant relationship with you. We thank you to bless us and to keep our focus on you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.